0: Hello and welcome to Midnight Showing. I'm Nash, that's Luke, and this week the random movie we watched at midnight was Michael Apton's Extreme Measures. Was it worth it? That's what we're here to tell you, and don't worry, we will notify you before we start spoiling. Luke? You know, bro,
1: if if it came down to it, I'd probably let you do a medical procedure on me, but only if you had like <laughs> 30 Jaeger bombs.
0: <laughs> that's what my hands are the most steady. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, extreme measures dude i really enjoyed this movie um it this movie came out of nowhere you and i were literally scratching our yeah. heads cuz we wanted to find a good movie to follow up contact we watched the trailer on this movie which we'll talk about in a minute which um which uh, it the movie like straight up didn't come across as like it was going to be anything too crazy we just watched the trailer and we thought it was going to be interesting and then it turned out to be a pretty pretty cool movie so i'm excited to talk about it so um this movie starring not like the most Famous cast in the world, but definitely some names that you've heard before. So, uh, Hugh yeah. Hugh Grant is playing Dr. Guy Luthin. I think he's a really interesting character I'm excited to dissect. And then we have the other big force in this movie is Gene Hackman playing Dr. Lawrence Myrick. Um, I'd say the two of them are probably our most defined characters in the story because they drive almost everything that happens. So, even though there are other characters involved, this is one of those movies where it's not about uh, those other characters. But I'll still say their names because they are kind of important. So um, Myrick is played by Sarah Jessica Parker, who um, her character again was not what I was expecting. I was expecting her to have like kind of a love plot type thing with Hugh Grant, and it didn't really turn out to be that, which was very refreshing because, you know, it totally got me. I also um, said the name wrong. It's Jodie Trammell. I read the list wrong. Sarah Jessica Parker is playing Jodie Trammell. <laughs> and then we got Nation I's new favorite actor. David Morse again <laughs> David Morse
0: he pops up in all of these movies yeah for some reason he's just been
1: like hanging out with us for the past like four episodes or something um and I thought it was funny in the IMDB they made his his character name FBI agent Frank Hare not just Frank Hare made F- uh, it's FBI, FBI agent. Agent. yeah and then uh, we got Bill Nunn who's detective Bob Burke and then we got um J.K. Simmons. He slid in there too for for a couple scenes. You know him as J. Jonah Jameson or the meanest music teacher I've ever had. Bro, I did band yeah. all of high school. If there was ever a dude like J.K. Simmons yelling <laughs> people in Whiplash, no. Just the, the kids would not be able to deal with it <laughs> from all the bands
0: <laughs> <line up. laughs> That was college. That's a different time. He's got tenure. Nobody cares. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um the director we've got uh, Michael Apted, which He's got a pretty good, pretty long filmography, honestly, but I personally don't know any a lot of the movies that he does. I don't think you know a lot of the movies that he does either. I didn't. I I didn't, dude. I
1: looked up like I saw he did one 0 seven movie with Pierce Bronson in like that era. But other than that, it was a ton of movies I never saw before. And I like this movie enough that I'm down to like start kind of dissecting his work and seeing if we can find more kind of hidden gem type movies, you know.
0: Yeah, so that movie was um The World Is Not Enough. That was 1999. Um another movie somebody might know him from, maybe The Chronicles of Narnia: The Voyage of the Dawn Treader. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> other than that, I don't think uh, I don't think any of his other films are too popular. Um but this movie really, you know, I don't think his work is bad and I f- certainly think that that, um, one is evidence of that. Big facts. So, this movie is, uh, well, or did you want to do this? I'll do movie? the
1: world. I'll do the world this yeah. week, dude. So, um, Extreme Measures is set in the year of its release. Uh, we're following Dr. Luthen Hugh Grant, in uh, New York ER as he attempts to enter the world of neurology. Um, he is kind of doing one of those programs where, like, you gotta put your time in on the ER to really get yourself ahead in your career, so he's putting in that time. And it's also extremely defined that he's really good at his job, and a lot of people respect him as a doctor already. I feel like that's that's pretty important to his character. Yeah,
0: like, he, he's, he's the on-call doctor at the ER, yeah. so he's the one pretty much in charge
1: yeah and um one day he receives a patient with a mis- with very mysterious symptoms he's never seen before and he only had a single scar on his back the patient ends up dying on him which essentially leads him down a rabbit hole of moral ambiguity while jeopardizing his career and really i don't yeah. I, I don't want to spoil what the movie really comes down to be about but that's kind of the idea is that a patient shows up that nobody can explain. He dies on Hugh Grant's table, so Hugh Grant takes his death personally, and it's kind of about Hugh Grant finding out why this single patient died in such a unique way.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I. Yeah, I think that's very well said. Um. And I think it is pretty smart, the way you stop yourself, just because looking at the trailer for this movie, it feels exactly like a classic 90s trailer, but... Honestly, if you want to watch this movie, I would avoid watching the trailer um, just because when we watched it before, we, I think we felt like it was a little too revealing. Yeah. Like it told us the plot way too much. Yeah. We didn't need that much info. It would have been way more fun to have that kind of surprise. It, ru- it ruined
1: um, the mystery of it. You know, like, like, yeah, like the, the way it, that the movie sets itself up is ha- wanting you to ask questions about certain characters. But watching the trailer told me the answers to those questions.
0: Yeah, exactly. And so you don't have that stakes there anymore. Yeah. Um, Which really just rating the trailer, I guess it's it really puts me in the middle because I don't think it was like good or bad. Really bad, other than it probably showed.
1: Well, too bro, much. dude, I think it can almost speak to a bigger issue in just the way that people perceive media. I'm talking about specifically like hype around something. Like for example, I love a movie that I love referencing cuz I think it was one of the craziest movie mess-ups in the world was Suicide Squad with Will Smith a couple years ago, bro, cuz if you remember, oh, yeah. those were the craziest trailers I'd ever seen in my entire life. The yeah, Bohemian Rhapsody I, one, all that stuff like 100%. Like the yeah. the hype around those movies were like, wow, Suicide Squad is about to be the coolest superhero movie to come out ever. And it was <laughs> And I think that could be kind of related to the hype around the trailer. So, like, I feel like it kind of goes to show, like the difference between watching a movie and having an idea of what it's going to be about and watching a movie completely blind. Let's even, this is a bit of a tangent right here, but even Blade Runner, like Daffy was like, well, I know that the point of Blade Runner is that he's supposed to be a replicant. And it's like, no, that was just a preconceived notion you heard from other people that is now affecting the way you watch the movie. You know what I mean? Yeah,
0: yeah. When it really, it's kind of like a side question. It's not even, doesn't even have to do with it. And I think that is perfectly well said because this trailer really, kind of messes with your brain in a way that it shouldn't. So yeah, I guess it's a bad trailer in the end. It's not like poorly produced or anything. It's just the content in it is too much for what its purpose should have been. And
1: the fact that the coolest (coughs) part of this movie for you and me was those moral questions, you know? So like taking away the mystery of the moral questions just takes the fun out of it for me as a person who subscribes to that portion of storytelling.
0: Yeah, exactly. I'd, I'd rather sort of discover it as the character does, rather than just hear it in an like a voice overlay in a two-minute trailer. So, speaking of moral questions, I think uh, that should probably speak to the motifs and themes, or themes, if you're educated. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, do you want to go into that a little bit? Uh, yeah, bro. So...
1: Um, I kind of said earlier that it was about uh, morality, but specifically the morality involved in science, which relates a little bit to contact last week. And even more specifically, the morality in medical advancements and morality in the medical field in terms of what you can realistically do as a
0: human being. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All can be found in the trailer. So, thumbs up or thumbs down for this one? Like thumbs up, dude. Some thumb,
1: thumb, thumbs up. We watched another. I'm gonna day give one.
0: it. A, I'm gonna give it a thumbs up too. And I'm really happy to say that a lot of the movies that we have watched, we've ended up giving the thumbs up. Um, because that really wasn't honestly like expected from this. Because we try to watch movies that aren't like the most popular things. Um, but yeah, so happy to do this. But now that we've given you a taste of the movie. We really don't want to spoil it for anyone that hasn't seen it. So, if you haven't already, like and subscribe to our channel. Pause this video so you can check this one out for yourself.
1: <laughs> so, uh, movie opens up on a pretty normal night in New York City, if you ask me. Just two naked dudes running down yeah. the street, totally disheveled.
0: <laughs> that's, how, that's that's how I remember it, honestly. Yeah, bro. So, before, before the virus,
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's really. To really start this conversation, I kind of just wanted to point out the fact that in terms of screenplay writing, motifs, and themes, I think this movie was pretty sound in the way that it asks its questions, but production-wise, the way that the movie is literally filmed and given to us feels a lot more kind of copy and paste in a way, you know? Like, there were definitely Mm -hmm. some clunky moments throughout the script that definitely are going to force me to take some points off the movie overall even though none of that stuff is like super um detrimental to the movie. How do you kind of feel about that? Did you agree with me that like some of the moments in there were a little cheesy? Like specifically when when the cop gets hit by the train, you know, like that that was, that was like the Austin Power scene with the steamroller, bro. Or, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah,
0: that was exactly. Yeah. That's that's a very good point to highlight. I think yeah, I I think the two that we should probably get the bad things out of the way because really the most interesting discussion is the moral questions, but to go off of that, I think sort of like the whole who is it, Sarah Jessica Parker? Yep. That whole sort of angle of the story seemed very forced well
1: bro for me i thought it was cool when he walked hugh grant walked into apartment and we saw that her brother was in a wheelchair so we were like oh crap like she's, to- yeah. she's totally on the oh, wrong yeah. side but then the second that she was like explaining to hugh grant why and she literally just said because i was the one who was drunk
0: it was just it, yeah, it like that, at that was the cheating. very end of the movie it's just like we felt iffy about it the whole time, you know? Yeah. Like, when, while we were watching it, we were making comments about that. And then that line at the end, it was just like, oh, my God. Yeah. Like, I don't need this. And then from from, <laughs> like, from what I remember, we
1: don't really see her again in the plot, dude. I don't, I don't yeah. think anything major happens with her again.
0: Because even it's even like, the end
1: of the movie, she's not really there, I don't think.
0: There's Yeah, there's like a slight sort of romance thing with it, but it's not... It's not over the top, it's not in the way the most, but that to me feels like the most copy paste. This is from the nineties like this isn't a very well developed idea like honestly if if he had never seen if we had never seen the uh like trash bag or whatever what, from what, the what trash bag in the i think it was in the bathroom from the uh
1: oh oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah from the tricorp or whatever.
0: Yeah, yeah. If never... <laughs> I
1: think, bro, they make they do medical science and they make trash bags. <laughs> well,
0: it was like it was like a like a prescription bag or something. It was in the trash. I for... I know it was trash, but um, and a bag. <laughs> but if we had never seen that, I think it honestly would have been more interesting. Just because, like, okay, we see her brother, and like we can make that connection.
1: I made it right away. I was like, oh yeah. that's sketchy. I don't trust her.
0: Exactly. Like that's all the that's all the evidence that we need i think any audience member could put that together yeah um and so it's that just kind of like pushing that so much uh, that really to me i think speaks the most to like the okay this is sort of unoriginal here and, dis- and it honestly is a bit distracting yeah but that being said um do you have any other moments like that where you just felt like Oh, this, I've, I've, I've seen this kind of thing before.
1: Honestly, not really, dude. I feel like the the two great moments to just point out the clunkiness is when the the cop gets hit by the train moving wicked it slowly just because that scene was like, just felt really goofy to me. And then at the, yeah. at the end, when she's just like, says it like, I was drunk. Like that, that, that was like a filtered screenplay <laughs> yeah. moment that like they wrote that scene five times and couldn't get it right or something, you know? Like that's all speculation. But that was the point I kind of wanted to make. So what I would like to move forward a little bit is just talk about how Hugh Grant definitely doesn't fit in to that typical BS Hollywood stuff, bro. Like what I loved about Hugh Grant was the way that he would talk smack to anybody. Like he was talking back to people, bro. I feel like that isn't super common in protagonists necessarily. Like sometimes people fall into place and like go along with things. Hugh Grant was very upfront about just like being outgoing, outspoken. Like I thought that his character really drove... What was unique about the movie for me.
0: Yeah, and a lot of times in stories like this, you kind of ask yourself, or it's like you're watching it and you like yell text. It's like, the protests like, I like why are you doing that? Like, that's so dumb to do. It's like, why didn't you speak up for yourself or something like that yeah. um in this type of situation? But in this movie, I feel like I, I didn't really have that. It's kind of like, okay, this guy he really sort of says it as he sees it. Yeah. And I, I like that. It didn't seem like he made a ton of dumb decisions or anything like that. It genuinely seems like he was caught up in the circumstance. It was very believable in terms like of that. And I think that speaks to your point of, he doesn't feel like that familiar protagonist in this type of situation. And his, his, his
1: motives are, are defined extremely well too, because there's the scene on the stairs where he's like, a man died on my table, and I don't know why. You know, like, that was was really just speaking to the overall morality of the movie, and why Hugh Grant is taking so much responsibility for this patient that he doesn't even know. The guy's a John Doe.
0: Yeah. Nobody knows that you can feel the weight of that actual circumstance happening. And it makes sense, because the more he gets pushed into it, the more he... Sort of suffers from it, so it's kind of like he has to keep going to break through. Yeah, rather, yeah, yeah, because well, bro, broken. he
1: he even says it well, that really. And wow, well, that flipped in 24 hours. He got arrested for massive cocaine having. He lost his job and then it, <laughs> massive cocaine massive having, massive cocaine having, <laughs> like yeah, you, 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 you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> well, yeah,
0: no, exactly. Like, yeah, funny. like
1: dude, his character, like. It was really easy to relate to him, be on his side, and watch him just get beat down by these people. And, you know, the real reason why I think I like this movie so much by the time it ended was because once you hear Gene Hackman's monologue about what he's doing, at the very end, when the woman with the wheelchair is standing in front of him, like... I don't think that final scene, that dialogue between them is super defined between who's the good guy and who's the bad guy. Because I agree with Gene Hackman, but I also totally agree with Hugh Grant. Maybe Hugh Grant a little bit more, but I don't think Gene Hackman was like evil, bro. You, yeah, you know exactly. What I mean?
0: he, he's not like a totally evil character. What he's doing is definitely morally wrong, but for the reasons it's morally understandable like, um, there's another movie. Um oh gosh, well, this is probably one we're gonna have to review later. It's called uh Lorenzo's oil. Okay. That <laughs> sounds and a little dirty to me. It's a real it's a real story um about this guy that uh this kid named Lorenzo who gets sick and his parents dedicate their lives to actually trying to find the cure um for the disease that he has. And I forget what it is. That sounds pretty and heavy yeah and they they don't actually find the cure, but they find you know they find a way to actually help and prevent it for future people that might have it and it it feels very sort of similar to that circumstance where it's like if you're in that situation where you have the capacity to help somebody that you personally know that you're very attached to, you're probably going to do it, yeah, even if it's sort of self destructive to you, even if it's a little morally wrong helping them is kind of the end goal. Yeah. And that's really what grounds this because I think that's believable. I think that's incredibly believable to actually put forth that much effort. Mm-hmm. Um if you can. Well,
1: bro, even let's 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 relate it to the to the two cops because even though I felt like their characters were very stereotypical, David Morse and the other guy, like how am I going to tell David Morse or um um uh, Bill Nunn, I'm sorry. How how would I tell yeah. David Morse or Bill Nunn that they're in the wrong because they want their loved ones to be okay, dude? You know, like, okay, the scene where, where Bill Nunn is waving to his disabled son was a little cheesy, but the implications behind that are like, Pretty gnarly. And I don't think that there's a real yeah. distinct right way to talk about it. Because how are you gonna look at a character like David Morris or Bill Nunn who have people in their lives that they want to save, that they really care about, proving that they aren't just robotic death, evil machines? How 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 am I gonna tell them to stop doing what they're doing when it is saving the people they actually care about, bro? You know? And I could tell them that they are doing things immorally, they're ruining Hugh Grant's life, they don't want things to go, but the other side of that knife. Is that like David Morse's? I couldn't tell if it was his wife or his daughter, but like, they're clearly is on the verge of like death any day now. Like, she has the breathing tube and everything. Like, mor- yeah. mor- morality in the medical field. Like, I'm I'm trying to like say say the right thing because I don't want it to come across in the wrong way that like, how how can I agree with Gene Hackman and Hugh Grant at the end of the day when I think I do, bro? Like, what is the right answer? I'm asking myself what the right answer is.
0: Yeah, that's, you know, I think that's evidence of a good movie because it's it seems somewhat believable. I think the most unbelievable part is probably, like, the medical facility itself. But it's like somebody doing that, sacrificing that much, willing to take risks like that, is definitely plausible. Yeah. And so that that's really what it does such a good job of, putting yourself in the situation it's like who is actually right in this circumstance um because it isn't like it isn't like nazi experiments where they're just figuring it out because they can you know it's like they have a personal attachment to somebody that is being destroyed by this
1: yeah and and again dude like gene hackman is not an evil character you could say he's the bad guy of the movie but even he specifically says um i i couldn't kill you hugh grant i'm not a murderer i'm not gonna have that blood on my hands i'm trying to help people and the way that a character is able to just totally ignore a ton of morals while focusing on the one thing that makes them happy like that's pretty pretty interesting storytelling in in my opinion so to kind of um reground the the conversation i kind of want to talk about those first few scenes like the first 25 minutes of the movie when it sets up these moral questions because i thought it oh, i definitely. thought it did it in a great way because before the naked guy who um dies comes in there's the cop and the bus driver and essentially the er is too filled up we only have room to realistically save one person even though they both live and all the cops are gathered around the medical room and they're looking at Hugh Grant like hey hey toll f- are you, are, are you going to save the guy who just shot the police officer? Or are you going to save the police officer? And it's like, when you're putting that situation, how are you going to look a ton of cops in the eye and be like, well, I'm actually more worried about the uh, guy who, who shot the cop. Because the guy who shot the cop was in way worse condition than the police yeah, officer. And yeah. She made a point for that too. So like, bro shouts to medical people because I had never really considered the uh, moral ambiguity within what you do, and oh my god.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, exactly. That really sets it up, and what it does brilliantly, too, is it ties it back to the end um, really well, which isn't this... Who is he to play God,
1: bro? Oh my god, I loved it so much.
0: If this is like a stereotypical like classic you know like 90s drama movie you know you wouldn't expect to see that sort of tie-in especially when it's all centered around the morality of it yeah um because gene hackman essentially like asks him like you're the guy that saves the cop yeah and we all know from watching that scene the cop wasn't in as much immediate danger as the guy that had shot him yeah And that is really sort of another moral question, like a layer within morality is just like, are you a moral person? Like, is your character what makes you moral or are the decisions themselves like those are the points of morality?
1: Yeah, I forget what the exact quote at the end from Gene Hackman was, but he was like a good doctor is a doctor, a great doctor like saves lives or something like that. Um great great doctors do the right thing. That that's what the quote was. And it's like Ah, uh, uh, bro, I just I just review movies, dude. That's that, that's that's that's, <laughs> that, that's heavy. That's that's real heavy.
0: <laughs> you know, <laughs> go to your spiritual leader if you want that. Uh, like, yeah, right? Well, I see for me I think um Apted was The point is kind of made that I think it's more about each individual choice is a moral one. Because how the movie ends, you know, it's that detective or that cop that's looking for him that ends up saving the day, you know?
1: Oh, yeah, that guy, uh, that that New York cop guy who uh, eats the Italian sausages and stuff.
0: Yeah, that guy that is (laughs) a bit of a stereotype, but... (laughs) he ends up saving the day because of his relationship from that scene very early on in the movie where he saved the cop.
1: Mm, saved I didn't, I didn't even really to. consider the implications of that. That's a really great point.
0: Yeah. So it's like, which I think I would agree with is more of, you know, you're not a moral person. Like your character isn't just what makes you moral. Every decision that you make is its own sort of avenue of morality. Do you mean kind
1: of the the difference between moral choices and being a moral person?
0: Yeah, Definitely. Because you can become a very not moral person with the last choice that you make, depending on how you make it. Mm,
1: yeah, mm, bro, that's that's some like that's some like real life stuff, you know, Yeah. like, I mean, <laughs>
0: you and I, this this is a show.
1: So, you know, we like to kind of talk about things that we find interesting. And I feel like a lot of the time for us, the conversation comes back to the idea of existence just because like <laughs> it's a it's a real thing, dude. That's a real theme that we all deal with in our lives is like. Okay, we're here for a reason. What do we do with that time? And I I just felt like extreme measures kind of gave me the uh, impression at first that it was just going to be kind of like a mystery thriller type drama thing from the 90s and then we, oh, we yeah. finish it and I'm like, "Oh god, dude, <sighs> jeez."
0: Oh. Like, wow, that, yeah. Like I it's not the type of Questions you like expect to get from that movie or really if you do expect that type of question from the trailer especially you don't expect them to hit that hard home yeah like you don't expect the position you're in near the end of the movie to actually be as firmly cemented in you like as a viewer as it as it was Uh, that is very good storytelling
1: you know i think i think it might have to do with how un defined Gene Hackman's morality is in the fact that we can't point at him and just say you're an evil villain like he's the antagonist of the movie because he's messing up Hugh Grant's life and Hugh Grant really does make a great point at the end about Gene Hackman you don't have the power to choose who you do this to and I don't know why you think you do which is a phenomenal point that I think really Puts yeah. me more on the Hugh Grant side than the Gene Hackman side, but I can't lie that, like, I don't subscribe to Gene Hackman's thinking in the same way. So I think maybe the reason that it's so morally ambiguous and is asking us these questions is because Gene Hackman, like, like this wasn't hostile, you know? Like, we watched that trailer. In the trailer, there's mm-hmm. the distinct part where Hugh Grant says, you tortured and murdered those men upstairs, which is true, but... He wasn't sawing their toes off and sticking needles under their fingernails for funsies. You know what I mean? Like if if the movie really went for that gore route where we were just seeing them do despicable experiments to people, then the movie would be way more straightforward, kind of like 90s movie that would be forgotten about. But the fact that even the bad guy has so much moral ambiguity within him, this one's a little harder to call for me.
0: It, it kind of solidifies for me. It solidified that point. with uh, I guy, I just forgot his name. Gene. Gene Hackman. It, yeah, it solidified that point for me that his character really only saw people in that way of like their moral character, not in like moral decisions, because he had already assumed, you know, these homeless people. There's actually nothing more that they can do with their life,
1: which is when you, when you say it like that, he sounds like a, like a, like a piece of crap.
0: Yeah. And it's like, you know, I'm not going to try to argue for or against that point. Cause I think that's something that we should all try to understand ourselves rather than tell people, but you see that that's sort of his belief system because he, he, he sort of, that's the type of people that he goes after. that's the type of people he uses he's not just grabbing the first person that he can every time you know he's looking for types of people and so that brings together that point that he doesn't believe like the each choice that we have is defining of who we are just sort of the choices you've already made have defined you
1: yeah dude um totally 100 percent um i totally had a point and it um slipped slipped away from me um I was Well, wow,
0: that's absolutely useless. Yeah, 100%, 100%. Um,
1: It really it really for me it just it just comes down to like someone trying to play God, I guess. And again, that's 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 another ambiguous statement because it can be defined in like so many ways, but I guess I guess I guess I'm I think I'm I'm definitely more on on Hugh Hugh Grant's side for this one, but like I really just I'm trying to kind of figure out in my head right now like what I really subscribe to in terms of it. Because even, what I also found really interesting was the constant imagery of rats and lab rats throughout the movie. The first time we see the lab oh, rats yeah. is when they're, Gene Hackman is at the award ceremony in his house and um they're on the screen and then they're he's he looks at the screen and he's like, that's an amazing medical achievement, watching these rats. And it really gives you the idea, but before you really understand that Gene Hackman isn't extremely sinister, it gives you the idea that he doesn't even have moral morals to begin with in that first scene. Like he kind of just wants to experiment on people like the rats. And then As the movie continues... I remember the point I wanted to make. I will transition it from this point into that point. Um, As the movie continues and you keep seeing rats in all these places, specifically under the city, which is the point I wanted to make, because you made that point about Hugh Jackman... Just assuming that homeless people have no character, have no families, have nobody that cares about them. And then that 100% gets flipped on its head when Hugh Grant is taken down to their society and it's clear how tightly knit these people are and how they don't even believe him off the bat. That's That's the point I wanted to make because you can talk about Hugh Jack- Hugh, um, Gene Hackman. Jeez, these guys' names are too close. You you talk about Gene Hackman being quote unquote correct in that it would be an amazing medical achievement to stop people from being paralyzed. But then you look at what he's really doing to this community of homeless people who appear to not wanting to bother anybody, right? Yeah. And like, damn, just damn.
0: And another good point for that is the guy that we see getting interviewed, um, the homeless guy, and they like ask him, um... Just like basic math and he tells them and it's like, he says he used to be like a school teacher. So it's like, okay, so this guy just seems like a normal guy that lost his job. Something bad probably really happened in his life. Like that's about it. Yeah. It doesn't mean he's just like scum of the earth. No, he's just, he's just a guy. Yeah, <laughs> Like something, something clearly just happened to him. You didn't like necessarily make horrible choices and try to like, go against society or anything like that. No, he just used to be a school teacher. And
1: yeah, 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 exactly. I think I think that scene was extremely telling. And also, low key, that scene kind of goes against the case that you and I are making for Gene Hackman. I think that was one of the most sinister scenes in the movie because they make such an amazing point about the dude being a school teacher who's actually a nice guy. So then like you you, you watch that footage of the guy just like in pain because they cut out part of his spinal cord and like Gene Hackman talking about it like it's such a medical achievement, like As as we're talking more about these guys, I think I think the complexity of these characters is really being exemplified because like I really can't say Gene Hackman is a sinister person, even though he's doing these sinister things to people who don't really deserve it, even though it's for people who never wanted to take their walking away from them at the same place, bro. Like, oh, God.
0: Yeah, like he doesn't realize that he's doing essentially the same thing that has happened to the people he's close to again and again and again he's robbing just as much from more people that haven't been robbed yet, or actually, no, they already have been robbed. He's robbing more from people that have really lost everything.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: he's, he's taking really the only thing that they have left. Mm, Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah.
1: Oh Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well now, now as we continue more, I'm like, okay, Gene Hackman is definitely the antagonist of this movie. Like, Hundred you know, percent.
0: It's
1: like it's like at what point do your intentions um get convoluted? You know because he he definitely started out this whole idea with like a really a really great great idea, and he even says it himself. He's like, "I'm sixty eight years old, and I know that I can figure this out. If I start on rats, maybe in five years I can move to dogs. Then if I'm lucky, I can move to chimps." There's just not enough time, and we need to save these people. Like when when he explains it like that, how could he be the bad guy? Right, but then, then when you hear Hugh Grant look him in the eye and say, "You are not God," yeah, like, jeez, dog, jeez,
0: yeah, just because you think you can do it doesn't mean that you're even one hundred percent right. Because what they're doing is killing people. At the end of the day, it's like, oh, this this guy, this guy managed to live for like two days after we did it.
1: For, yeah, then the, one of them was like four, like two weeks. Like, okay, cool.
0: <laughs> yeah, like good work, I guess like with that with that kind of trials it sort of ends up being like all right well how much time are you gonna monitor somebody that is successful yeah you know what i mean because okay so say you did it correctly and you're monitoring this guy and he lives for five ten years but then you die or it's like he dies while you're monitoring him you don't really know how successful it is yeah so like even at the end of the day, you, you can't sort of foresee the end of it.
1: Yeah, Gene Hackman was wrong. Yep, I just made, I just made, I just made the
0: decision. But he's evil. It, well,
1: but bro, no, I see. That's it's not. It's not that though. Like I, I don't think he's evil. He's in the wrong, but I don't. I, I think I think it's it's a real question about of at what time did this become so far gone at at what point did this become the sinister place that is picking up homeless people off the street and just doing medical experiments on them because yeah. again dude it's 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 kind of like the idea that like if I explain something to you in, in the right way then it's going to come across in a certain way you know what i mean so um another uh, an interesting question i wanted to ask you was how you felt about when Hugh Grant breaks out of his room at the end of the movie and we have Gene Hackman literally explaining word for word into the intercom system what he's doing and why and it's a little less um genuine than the final conversation between him and Hugh Grant A, how did you feel about that as being a pretty literal way to get points across in the story and B, do you think that it goes towards his case at all of him kind of being in the right at all, even though I think we're deciding that he's not in the right, do you think that case kind of like when he explains it that way, it's it's digestible. You know, you need, you need to make it digestible for regular people.
0: Yeah, um, I'm not sure how much I enjoy it because looking back, like while I was watching, I don't think I noticed it. So I think I guess it's I'd have to say it's good because if I if it was bad, I think I would have noticed it. Yeah. while it was happening, or rather than have the antagonist have like a moment of self discovery, like finding something or whatever. Yeah. Um. So I guess you know. Just film wise, I guess, yeah, it makes sense. It, it, the point worked well. um, but I think it's more of to him being trying to be convincing than like him being honest with like the reality of the situation. you know i I think it's more of him trying to be convincing to end the trouble that's being caused rather than actually be like, oh yeah, here's everything that we're doing
1: or even even asking the question of like, even though he could be so clearly wrong in his own head, he isn't, which is another great question about the way that we manipulate ourselves into doing things and like, at at what point does that become so far gone dude like that's i think that's a really interesting piece of life in general that we can relate to a ton of real situations is like at what point did this become so far gone cuz you start your your discussion you start your scientific research on saving people who have been paralyzed due to terrible circumstances and end on Picking people, homeless people, up off the street and slicing part of their spine out—like there's got there's a <laughs> little bit too much gray area.
0: You know what I mean? Yeah, there, there's something in between that definitely happened. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but I know I, I think because um, the end of the day, I think it's a fact that uh, Gene Hackman didn't want to acknowledge that just because he's done good things in the past doesn't mean that what he's doing is good. Yeah. I think that's really just what he forgot is like, okay, you have your goal, but the means of achieving that goal are not right. They're not good. Yeah, they're not you
1: can't be you can't be playing God, dude. If he wants to do this on people in his own life, then it's a different story. but i think I think I think the the Hugh Grant monologue at the end really embodied though the the point i think i think i think that that final um piece of like dialogue between the two of them was really masterfully done because of the way that it got me on hugh grant's not um the way that it got these people in their names the way that it got me on gene (laughs) hackman's side to the point of where i have to have a conversation with you to really figure out the moral ambiguity of this movie like I think um, a, a theme we've been catching specifically in our last like five or six movies is that like I'll watch a movie, I'll really like it, but it's not until I really talk about it and dissect it that I understand the real nuance in it. I think I think we did a great job finding another movie this week that was like, you, you can you can watch the plot and just be like yeah that was an okay like like thriller type movie that was that's, a movie yeah yeah, yeah that's yeah. that's pretty crazy but then when you really consider the um the implications of what these characters are doing and what they believe in there's a ton there just to ask yourself about life in general bro and <laughs> you know
0: yeah especially when it comes out of nowhere for this um for us because I think the expectations of like any sort of nuance for this movie was pretty pretty low for me it was definitely. Um, and we got like a, a, pretty, a, a pretty good, um, pretty good questions to ask yourselves, I think, out of it. Yeah. So um, I think we're getting near the end right now. So, what yeah. genre of movie would you categorize this? Is it a drama? Dr- drama and i i would say it's a thriller to a certain
1: extent just because there, there are like there is like a, there's a good amount of stress in in the movie too even though it's, yeah. it's kind of low-key and like bro the we, we didn't even really talk about the implications of making hugh grant think he's paralyzed for a hot second bro like that was pretty oh, hardcore yeah. i was like jaw dropped i was like where's the next half hour of this movie going dude he's paralyzed. <laughs> yeah, like, like what whoa.
0: <laughs> <laughs> wait a minute yeah <laughs> um would you recommend this movie to your friends? Yeah, definitely,
1: definitely. But again, I think it could totally come across like like if you if you're just like it's it's a fun night with your friends and you're putting on a movie and you're not pay that much attention to it. This one is kind of just like a throw on, like funny, like not funny stuff is just <laughs> stuff, stuff is just happening on the screen. But yes, all right, all right. Here's this. We're 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 about to get to like cinephile, right? I think showing it to your friends and showing it to a cinephile are two different different things.
0: Definitely, um, but would you show it to your family?
1: Yeah, I think I think it would be like a pretty good like family movie. Whenever you ask me the family question, I imagine those nights from my childhood where like we had like family in from another state and everyone was like, "Let's watch a movie tonight." Yeah. Like that's kind of what I imagine. I think Extreme Measures is a good movie for that kind of like experience.
0: Yeah, I think it is too, and especially no animals die. That's really the biggest yeah. thing for me is if da- animals die.
1: Homeless people do, but no animals. Yeah, no
0: animals. Um, is it a cult classic? I don't think so. I don't um, think I never was. heard of this
1: movie ever, dude. Yeah. Literally, literally I, I ever. I
0: didn't find anything too hot on it. Um, it doesn't seem to have a massive following or anything that I am aware of. So I don't think it is. Is it worthy of it? Yeah, honestly, dude. I think enough. Yeah, I think it's a unique enough story. But again,
1: it, it really comes down to the way that it's questioning that morality. So in terms of like... Yeah like being a movie. It's it's a little straightforward, but once you um once you kind of ask yourself those deeper questions, I think there really is a ton there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So why would a cinephile watch this? Um
1: rewind 30 seconds and listen to what I just said.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, that's a good point. Um I think too it does a good job of sort of like if you are in sort of like the director seat or whatever, you have like a mandate with what kind of movie you know like what the plot of the movie is um you'd still have like freedoms to tell the story well because it does there are moments where it felt like okay this is you know classic 90s um but it was very unique it's i think it's unique enough on its own to say it isn't just like the copy paste story that you see a million times yeah um uh, yeah, so I guess that's why to watch it. Even if you are being controlled by somebody else, you still have control yourself.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. A-
0: a- anything else to No Luke?
1: No, bro, I think, I think that's a pretty great way to describe the movie is that, like, you're not gonna watch it and be like, that was the greatest piece of media I've ever seen in my life, but there's a ton of questions underneath what the screenplay is acting to give people who really love movies something to talk about. So, you know, it's not this wasn't a 10 out of 10 out of the park, but as far as movies go, for me personally, what I look for, this one was definitely in my wheelhouse of what I enjoy.
0: Yeah, I would agree. I would agree with that. Really unexpected and really good to watch. Yeah. Um, so with that being said, we're going to thank uh, KOV for making the music this week. Um, And to you lovely, lovely viewers, please be sure to like and subscribe to our channel. Follow us on Instagram to stay in the loop for upcoming episodes and help us determine the movies we watch and future content that we can bring to you. Be sure to check us out at ambiguouspodcastsolutions.com and remember your donations keep my blue light on. See you next week as we discuss the Chinese film to live.
1: Nash, you don't need to give me money, bro. We're friends. You got
0: those scripts though? (laughs) (laughs) I look forward to that more than anything else in the show <laughs>
1: this bitch better have my drink ain't no fun if the homies can't have some got enough gas I can fill my tank if you ain't got a piece then you better go grab one my plug better have that heat if he don't then the crew gonna blast one I got big bags I'm the leader of the sheep if you stab me in the back then you end up like the last one everybody eat Everybody got their needs, everybody wanna do, wanna do what I have done Everybody sleep, everybody tryna creep on the move So I turn a white coupe to a black one To a black one So I turn a white coupe to a black one Black one So I turn a white coupe to a. I've been
0: on the